<laughs> so we call that a, a, was that a duet or a trio? Was it a trio? <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I don't know if I'm supposed to announce this this morning, but I guess it's a, for a grandpa, it's easier to, what do they say, to ask forgiveness and permission, whatever the saying is, right? Grandpas can get by with that, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, I just thought, uh, we're just really excited to, to hear that, uh, that Nicole and Silas are expecting their first child. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, let's give it a second. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. That's 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 one of our, our plans for church growth around here, right? Just have uh, have lots of kids. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, that was a great song as well, and uh, moved my heart. So, all right, well, let's take our Bibles uh, this morning, and uh, let's go to uh, let's go to the book of Luke, chapter ten. Book of Luke, chapter ten. <clears throat> Cole is going to be a great mom. I think, I think Silas will be okay as a dad, too. But uh, <laughs> I, think he'll, I think he'll do great considering who his role model was. But <laughs> uh. <clears throat> Talk about Jesus and good people. Jesus and good people. Uh, we've seen uh, Jesus, you know, with, uh, with someone who was, was desperate. Uh, we saw Jesus with, uh, you know, someone who was doubting. Uh, we even saw Jesus with somebody who, who was disturbed, who was, who was um, well, who was demon-possessed. And today we're going to look at, at, at Jesus with, I guess what we call decent people, right? Remember that terminology? Just a decent person. Um, the, the, the dedicated, uh, the devout. I think Jesus challenged good people more than he challenged anybody. If you study the, the Gospels, um, really what he was trying to do is help people see that there's none righteous, no, not one. Um, that there really is Next to the holy standard of God, there is no such thing as a good person. Now that's a hard truth. It was a hard truth during his day. And, uh, you know, Jesus, um, he was great about offering people acceptance. All kinds of people. I want to be like Jesus that way. You know, I want to, I want to be a friend to everybody. Um, not, 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 not like a politician, you know, they just want your vote. Uh, but Jesus was a friend to everybody. And uh, as Christians, we should be friends to everybody. Now, you can't be a friend with everybody. That might be a little bit different, right? You're a friend with those that kind of go in the same direction as you, that you're teaming up with. But as far as a friend to everybody... Yeah, that's what Jesus demonstrates to us. And, uh, you know, we saw that pattern developing as we study uh, his interaction with people, how he acknowledged individuals. 
He acknowledged them. He didn't just see the crowd. He saw the people in the crowd. He's really good at that. And uh, not only did he acknowledge individuals, but he accepted individuals. Individuals that others, you know, might keep at, at arm's length. It seemed like Jesus made a point of drawing them in. And uh, he accepted individuals. But, you know, Jesus loved each of these individuals too much to leave them the way that they were. And uh, so as he acknowledged and accepted individuals, he addressed, he addressed the true need of individuals. And look, if we're not doing that as a church representing Jesus, then we're not, we're not a true church. We're not true, truly the body of Jesus. If we're not willing to see beyond just the workings of a church, you know, the, the structure of a church, um, the edifice of a church, if we're not, even the, even the crowd that's gathered in a church, to see that there's real life people, that these are individuals, these are needy uh, people, as, as Jesus saw them. And Jesus put it this way, you know, you gotta, you gotta lift up your eyes and you gotta see the harvest. In other words, you gotta get your eyes off of yourself and, and, and see that, that uh, there, there, there's people that need the Lord and, and uh, we all have those needs. And, and so Jesus really models that to us. He addressed the true needs of individuals. Then he assisted individuals with real answers. And it's one thing to say, you know, to, 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 to somebody, well, you know, I, I, I think, I think uh, um, you need help in that area. I, I, I need help in that area. You know, we need help in that area. It's another thing to say, you know, not only do we need help, but here is the help. This is what God provides for that situation, for that particular need. And, uh, and Jesus, of course, he, he was the greatest at that, um, 100% of the time. And so, you know, when, when, Jesus, when Jesus interacts with what we would call good people, there's a lot of instances. I, I had plenty to draw from uh, for this message uh, of illustrations in that regard. He did, he did use that... that uh, that approach that he, he seemed to have on an ongoing basis that we just mentioned. But then within that, he had sort of a, a, a threefold manner in which, in which he did it. He either comforted, confronted, or challenged. He either comforted, confronted, or challenged. And uh, you know, when people um, were having a really rough time, when they were outcasts, when they were perhaps uh, struggling with a big problem, Jesus did bring comfort to them. Um, and, uh, and, and Jesus is able to do that today. Uh, his spirit amongst us is called the comforter. That's a wonderful, beautiful thing. But also, you know, there was times when he was pretty direct and he was pretty blunt. And, uh, and probably some of you can appreciate that here because, you know, we have some blunt people in our, in our church. They're not bad people. They're just kind of black and white. You know, out of, out, of, out of eight sons, you know, I call them the male variety pack is what the Lord gave me there. And uh, you know, there's, there's a couple of my sons that are pretty direct. They see things just very cut and dry. Um, and they're, they're, they're kind of blunt, you know. Uh, but that we need that sometimes. And Jesus was blunt at times. Uh, you know, he always had the, the of course, he, he never sinned in that. Uh, but, you know, there was times when he got right after it. When people needed to be confronted, he wasn't afraid to do that. And... Uh, but then it seemed like, generally speaking, his, his, most, his most used, a, a prolific approach was to challenge people. To challenge people. And I think we see this here. There was confrontation and challenge 
for what we would call good people, dedicated people, even devout individuals uh, that, that, he, that he encountered. And, uh, you know, Jesus, Jesus did not, he did not promote mere conformity and, and, and ceremony. Jesus, didn't, he, you know, what he was looking people to enter into wasn't just religion of ritual. It wasn't just outward conformity. Jesus confronted that a lot. He confronted that a lot. And uh, I think we'll see the patterns uh, uh, here uh, continuing. Let's go to, you're already in Luke chapter 10. And let's pick it up in verse 25. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. In Luke 10, verse 25, it says, And behold, a certain uh, lawyer or a student of the law, the Old Testament law stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, is anybody who had seen as a good person, as a student of the law? I mean, he knew the minutia of the Old Testament law, and presumably that's what he was structuring his law about, uh, his life about. And he's trying to trip Jesus up, up, up here, and he says, uh, uh, Master, what shall I do to e inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? In other words, you're a student of the law. You tell me. And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind and strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. In other words, Jesus was saying, Look, if you can do that, that is the essence of the law right there. And if you can do that 100% of the time, you'll be all set. You, you'll, you'll, you, you will have merited having life. You will, as you asked the question there, um, you will inherit eternal life. And that might be a little shocking that Jesus would say that because you think, well, I thought nobody could, you know, I thought nobody could earn eternal life. Are you telling me Jesus is telling this guy that he could earn eternal life? Yeah. If he would do that. <laughs> He said there, I mean, he says, uh, Thou hast answered right, this do and thou shalt live. In other words, if you really love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind, and you love your neighbor that way, sure. But this is what Jesus knew. Is that nobody, including this guy here, no human being was ever going to reach that threshold. You see? And, and that's really what Jesus was, 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 uh, he, he was, uh, he was confronting here. He was confronting what, the, what human beings would call a good person. And, uh, and it says, look, this, this, is, uh, this is the plight of mankind, right, of good people. Look at verse 29. But he, what's it say? Willing to justify himself. <laughs> that is the plight of good people. You know that good people are maybe sometimes in more danger as far as their eternal destiny than what we would call bad people? Bad people know they're bad. All right, you don't have to convince a bad person that they've done wrong things. They know they've messed up. They know they're, 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 that they've blown it. They know they've done a, bad, a lot of bad things. Now, maybe they're proud of it. Maybe they don't care. But they know. But what about good people? 
You know, I mean, I'm out and about quite a bit, and, and I meet a lot of good people. I meet a lot of people that pretty much say, and, and, and they don't say, yes, I am willing to justify myself. They don't put it in those terms. But what they usually say is, I'm all set, right? I mean, I'm a good citizen. I treat people kindly. Uh, you know, I try, to, I try to do my best at work. I'm a good neighbor. You know, I'm, I'm a nice person. And what they're really doing in their heart is they are willing to justify themselves. And maybe they even look at the law there and they say, well, you know, I think I love God as much as the next person. I think I try to love others as much as everyone else does. Yeah, I think I'm going to heaven. And, uh, and, 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 and so he says, being willing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, well, and who is my neighbor? And he's thinking, I think I'm all set on this. Now, Jesus went in to, to tell a story here <laughs> that I will guarantee you, if you study that story out, I'll guarantee you, it showed that guy what was really in his heart. When he told the story of the one who had been beat up and left for dead, and how religious leaders and students of the law passed on the other side and said, I don't really have time for that because I have more important things I have to attend to. And how one that this guy would have despised as a Samaritan, who would not be of the same persuasions that he was in many respects, let alone the same background, went and helped that guy. And he knew that he wouldn't see the Samaritan as his neighbor. And probably in his heart, he knew that he wouldn't have done everything that that man did uh, for the other man either. Jesus confronted him with what was really in his heart and where he fell short. Now, Jesus will do that. And you say, you know, that's kind of mean to do that. I mean, why, why doesn't Jesus just want to make people feel good? Isn't that what Jesus is all about? I mean, he was a really nice person, so it just... It's just, you know, Jesus would just make everyone just feel good. What is the sense of making someone feel good if that's not going to help them in the long term? You see, Jesus came and he confronted in order to, uh, in order to, to, to truly help this individual. You see, Jesus knew that he didn't measure up to all the law here. He didn't really love the Lord, his God, with all of his heart, with all of his soul and all of his strength. And he didn't love his neighbor as himself either. I mean, think about that standard right there. And uh, I'm not questioning your love for, for others, but loving others as you love yourself? Come on now. You measure up to that? Without, without Jesus being in control at that moment, do you really measure up to that? I can tell you one thing. The only times that I do hit that, that mark right there is when it's, when it's about Jesus in my life and not me. I'll just be honest with you. Because most of the, like in the, in the, in, the, in my humanity, I love myself a lot more than any of you. Now you're great, okay? And a lot of you are my friends and I enjoy being around you, you know, enjoy the softball field, I enjoy meeting together, I enjoy, you know, my friends and, 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 and I love you. But as far as loving you as myself, that's only, that only happens when the spirit of Christ is predominant. And, uh, and so, look, <laughs> Jesus confronts all of us with the fact that we don't measure up. Now, sometimes you've got to hear the bad news before you understand the good news. You know what Jesus does with good people? 
Jesus with good people shows them that they need God and his plan for salvation and for restoration, for redemption, just as desperately as any other person that they might point to out there. That's what Jesus does. And, uh, and so the, the, thing, the thing of it is, is, is that most people are just, they're too, they're too uh, busy justifying themselves to look for their need for justification from for another. You know what Jesus does with, with, uh, with, with good people? He says to good people, you, you decent person, you are often proud and self-righteous. You are into conformity. You need to be confronted in that mere conformity. You need to realize that your self-righteousness is not going to cut it in the end. You need to realize that your very pride can be your worst enemy when it's all said and done. Let's go to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Now, when we see, you know, see Jesus dealing with people that have huge problems or into to deep despair and uh, into outright you know, uh, public sin, we can, we can all get behind that and appreciate it. Man, look at what Jesus is doing there. Look at what, how Jesus is taking control of that situation. But when you see how Jesus interacts with, 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 with good people, I find it usually gets a little more quiet. <laughs> because we don't like to think of the fact that that we have just as much need as the next person when it comes to Jesus. But look, we admire Jesus. We talk about Jesus. We look at Jesus and we, and, and, and we say, what a wonderful man Jesus was. What is there not to admire about Jesus? But then the big question at the end of all of that is, what are you going to do with that Jesus? I mean, everything that you see in Jesus and what he was about, what does that mean to you? How are you going to react to that? And uh, that's what he does time and time again. Let's look at Matthew chapter 19 and, and verse 16. 19:16. Uh, and it says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? Hey, look, you just tell me. I'm really good at doing good things. So if you just tell me a good thing that I can do, I'll do it. And, and if it means that through that, you know, I kind of, I kind of seal my, my, the deal as far as me having eternal life, and I'll do that. Just tell me what it is, right? And, uh, and he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good, but that is God. And so with saying that about himself, he's also, and, and of course he knows that he's God, but he's also confronting the fact that, look, uh, I don't think you're God, are you? Why are you calling me good and why are you saying that you, hey, whatever it is that you can do good, just tell us so you can have eternal life. Um, there's none good other than God. And you're not God. So right off, I mean, you, you read between the lines here and this is right off, it's, it's confrontational. Jesus confronts good people. And you're thinking, man, that's kind of mean. I mean, I, I, this guy, he's not, it doesn't say he's tempting Jesus here. He's not trying to trip him up like the other guy. This guy's probably sincere. He's probably thinking, if I can do a nice deed, I'll do it. Why, do, why does Jesus have to be that way? <laughs> because he knows that the guy is self-righteous. Look, so many good people, they're self-righteous people. I'm not saying they're snobby about it. 
I'm not saying they're condemning about it, but it's what's in their heart. Jesus knows that. Jesus knows what's in the, that's what's in their heart. And, and nice people, Jesus knows, sometimes are the ones that are in the greatest peril. They're in the greatest peril. Because they might go their whole life without realizing that they're just depending upon themselves being good. And that, that isn't what's going to measure up with a holy God. And, uh, and so he's talking here and he says, well, why, why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. So again, he says, Lord, okay, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you how you can do it. Then just keep the, keep the commandments. You keep, you, keep all, you keep all the commandments, you got it. You got yourself eternal life. And maybe this guy's getting a little excited because he's thinking, I, I think I'm doing that. I think I got the inside track here. I think I'm well on my way. By the way, you know, Jesus will say the same thing to you today. Nice person, good person. You keep your whole life, you hold your whole life in your mind, heart, and motives. And if you keep God's law without breaking it once your whole life, then you're set. You've got yourself eternal life. How are you doing so far in your life, though? <laughs> well, all of a sudden, it's kind of discouraging, right? I guess I'm done with that proposition. Well, this guy didn't, uh, maybe didn't feel like he was quite done with that yet. Maybe, you know, so Jesus kind of goes with it. He says, hey, look, uh, um, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, um, which, which commandment? Jesus said, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, and all, all the common ones. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father thy mother, shall love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man said unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth up. Getting excited. Doing good. I think I'm on the right track. I got this. And he says, what lack I yet? <laughs> and uh, Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, give to the poor. Thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Now, this kind of goes beyond nebulous, right down to... I poke the idol a little bit. One of the, the Ten Commandments, right, is put no other God before me, right? You know, love the Lord with all your, your, your heart. And, uh, and so he pokes the idol and he says, hey, look, uh, I'll tell you what, go sell everything you have. Come follow me. And when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. Why? Because he had great possessions. You see, in his heart, he was materialistic. In his heart, he was probably a covetous person. Isn't that one of the Ten Commandments? That's not covet, right? He's probably a covetous person. Most materialistic people are. You know, if, if we have our mind set on making money, and that's our goal, is just, and it's not wrong to make money. The Bible talks a lot about it, and, and, it's, and it's a tool here on earth. But the heart of it, the love of money, the Bible calls it. You know, the, if, if, if in our heart is the love of money, there's no end to that. And it's impossible not to be a covetous person if that's the case. And this guy went away. It, it burst his bubble here, man. I mean, you kind of feel bad for him. Oh, he goes, he's, he's excited, he thinks he's got, getting it done, you know. He's, he's earning eternal life, and Jesus confronted him and just broke the whole thing apart. And, uh, and it would have been, you know, a, a nicer story at this point if he just said, well, you know, I'm not doing that right now. 
can we talk more about how can I get on, on the right track here? But instead, he looked at that and he said, that's too high of a price for me to pay. Now think about what he's saying here. What he's literally saying in his heart is, it's more important to me to go with materialism and the possessions here on earth than to continue this conversation about eternal life and about things that, that, that last forever. What a sad thing. But that's what, where a lot of good people are. I mean, yes, I'm, 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 saying, I'm saying that sincerely, that they, humanly speaking, they're good people. They're probably better than I am in a lot of ways. They're just decent people. They, they, they're kind to others. They give to charity. They do their best to be a productive member of society. But in their heart, they're putting the value on something that breaks God's law. And that ultimately is not going to hold water before him. So what does Jesus do with good people? Well, he tries to, to bring true help to them. He doesn't just go along. He just doesn't just go along with, with earth speak, you know, with the, with the temporary economy. Jesus, he doesn't do that. He's not going to be uh, forced to, to do that. Because he always has his eye on the big picture. He always has his eye on what hum uh, uh, humanity really needs. And look, Jesus wasn't going to go out of his way to come and go through everything that went here on earth in order just to play a game. You see what I'm saying? He's not going to leave heaven, dwell amongst us as a human being, confined to a human body for eternity... He's not going to do that just to mess around and go along with, with, with the earth's economy that isn't really going to help people in the end. He's going to be real. He's got limited time to do it in. He's going to redeem the time. <laughs> and, uh, and you see that doing it over and over again with people. And it's almost painful sometimes, but, you know, it's, it's, it's what is needed. And then he says this in verse 23, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter um, into the kingdom of heaven. And, uh, and again, I say unto you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, that's, that's perplexing. That's a, that, if, if, you know, and so it's basically saying, look, if he is saying, if, if someone's heart is just on the things on this earth and getting everything they can here, then it's impossible for them to think about the kingdom of heaven, truly, and to do what they have to do to gain that. It's impossible. You say, it doesn't say impossible. Well, okay. He said a camel go through the, you know, the eye of a needle. All right? So he did say it's impossible. And, and to the degree where the disciples heard it in verse 25, and they were exceedingly amazed, and they said, well, who then can be saved? It's impossible then. But Jesus beheld him and said, look, this is great. With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. In other words, he's saying, look, I'm here to seek and to save those who are lost. You know who's part of that category of being lost? Good people. Good people. Good people. They're just trying to get the American dream, you know, trying to get secure financially. They're trying to build a nest egg. Just trying to get, you know, to, 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 to have enough to, to retire and, and, and travel around. And none of that stuff is bad. Hey, look, I, I enjoy some of that stuff. 
It's good. God gave us abundant life here. But if that's all it is, then what then? What then? Jesus wants to get them to think, you know, there's a bigger kingdom we've got to be thinking about here. I didn't just make you as a human being just to be like a puff of smoke here on earth. I didn't make it so, so you just have this, this little time here on earth and, and then, then it's over and then you just kind of cease to exist or, or you hope for the best or you go, you know, bounce around in purgatory or whatever you want to talk about. I mean, he made it so that we could be a part of the kingdom of God. He wants us to have a re, an eternal relationship with him. Jesus wanted to give us the truth that doesn't just keep us as being good people, spinning the wheel here on earth as a good person, but what then? He wanted to go to every person and make them realize that in and of themselves, they couldn't accomplish it. There's none righteous, no, not one. All we, he gave an analogy, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've gone to our own way. But the good shepherd... I mean, he does carry a bit of a stick sometimes right, for those sheep, <laughs> right? Got to get it back to the reality here. Got to get back to where you need to be. Got to be thinking about, you know, this. Got to be thinking about what the water that's really going to sustain you. You got to get to, to that which is really going to give you uh, that which is lasting and, and life-giving and full of vitality. And that's what Jesus does with people. You see, because I probably, I would say the United States of America has more good people than, than any country in the world. I mean, I've been to a lot of countries, and I'm not saying there's not good people in other countries. Good people, okay? But I'm just saying, you know, to me, Americans, generally speaking, they are good people. We're givers. We're helpers. We've given more to world charities than the rest of the world combined. We really have. I'm trying to brag. It's just the way it is. We have. We're good people. Not a lot of people are trying to say we're not, you know, America's just a bunch of bad people, but, you know, humanly speaking, we're a generous, kind nation. But sometimes that's our biggest problem because we get a little prideful. We get a little self-righteous. We get a little entitled. And we don't realize that before God, we have just as desperate of a need as anyone else in the world. And that's what Jesus is confronting. I mean, sometimes I'm thinking it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for an American to be saved. <laughs> but you know, with God, all things are possible. Because God can take that old materialistic American that just has very temporal values and can show them, oh, hey, look, you can be a part of something that's bigger and that's eternal in my kingdom. And even as you use those tools here on earth, look, you can continue to be a good neighbor. You can continue to, to, to invest. You can continue to make money and use it as a tool. You can, but everything's going to change as far as your mindset, and it's going to flourish into something that's much bigger and much more meaningful in the kingdom of God than the kingdom that you're building. You know, you know that my kingdom compared to the kingdom of God is, is just like it's not even worth mentioning. It's, it's, it's so pathetic. <laughs> that's what Jesus wants to bring people to. And uh, he can do it like no one else. Let's look at one more illustration. Jesus and good people. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. So he said to this guy, you know, you keep the whole law, maybe 
you can read the rest of the story there, but uh, here in verse uh, uh, Matthew 5, verse 16, it says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So it is, it is important to be a testimony and to do right and do good. Think not that I am come to destroy the law. Jesus didn't come to do away with the law. He wasn't, he wasn't criticizing the law. It reflects him. It, 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 it reflects his righteousness. Or the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. He is the end of the law, the fulfillment of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes, the Bible says. Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least of these commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So again, he's saying, you know, if we were just able to keep God's law. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. So if you're going to earn your way into heaven, you've got to be even better than the scribes and the Pharisees. And they were all about studying and recording God's law. For example, he says, you have heard that it was said of them of old time, thou shalt not kill. Now you're thinking, I keep that law. I've never killed anyone. Whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in the danger of the judgment. Whosoever shall say unto his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. Whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in the danger of hellfire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave therefore thy gift before the altar, and go away. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. So basically he's saying, look, if you have ever had an improper spirit and attitude towards another person, you have broken the spirit of the commandment, thou shalt not kill. That's an impossible threshold. I'm sorry, but nobody meets that threshold. I don't care how nice of a person you are. You've, you've, you've despised someone else. You've been angry at somebody. You've wished ill upon somebody. You know how I know that? Because you're just like me, and I'm just like you. We're all made of the same stuff. I just happen to be the preacher this morning. But we understand this truth. Nobody meets that threshold. Jesus confronts that. And he goes on a little further here, and he says, um, And uh, verily I say unto you, in verse 26, There shall no means uh, uh, come out thence till I have paid the undermost farthing. In other words, get all this right. And uh, you have heard that it was said of them in the old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. So he says, here's another one. That's part of the law, part of keeping the commandments. Some say, I'm going to keep all these commandments, I'm going to earn salvation. But I say unto you, Jesus said, I'm going to give you the spirit of that commandment. Whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. So he's talking about, you know, 